Today's episode of InVibe Life Conversations podcast is sponsored by Anchor. Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will then distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. It's everything that you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. 90% of the time I recommend this anti-inflammatory diet and about 40% is going to be coming from carbohydrates. And these are carbohydrates from vegetables, essentially starchy vegetables. So it's really the pillar of this pyramid. And again, variety is key. Um, Switching up the different types of vegetables. Um, We're looking for five servings of non-starchy vegetables a day minimum. So that's about three cups. So I mentioned, like, I like to use my fist a lot. I don't usually recommend counting calories or measuring foods, but an easy eyeball of saying, okay, I need to get at least one fist for breakfast, lunch, and dinner to get my non-starchy veggies. Welcome to InVibe Live Conversations with Amy Parker and Cheryl Dunn. By tuning in, you're joining a community that will inspire you to increase balance, wellness, and joy in your life. We'll offer expert information and insightful conversations to help us on our journey to live more in vibe. For more information and articles, remember to also check out our website at inviblife.com. That's E-N-V-I-B-E-L-I-F-E.com. We're grateful that you're here. Welcome to InVibe Live Conversations with Amy Parker, Cheryl Dunn, and today our special guest is Eloisa Minna from, she has a business called Raw by Elo, and we had the great pleasure of meeting Eloisa when Amy and I had our business retreat at Miraval, and she gave us several great lectures. We became junkies. Yes. We signed up for one. And then whenever you were talking while we were there, we followed you. We were your groupies, I think. (laughs) Definitely. So tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into this and, you know, what you have taught us. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you both for having me on. It's it's such an honor and a pleasure to be here. Um, So a little bit about myself. I'm originally from El Paso, Texas, and I started my career actually with uh, wanting to become a lawyer, interested in criminal justice. (laughs) But I was in dance teams throughout college. And as you know, there's so much information about eat this, don't eat that, do this. And it's even doubled when you're performing. So I decided I wanted to research some of the things that I was hearing. And then I really just loved the science behind it and then switched my major uh, from criminal justice to dietetics. And I completed my bachelor's in science in New Mexico State University and did my master's and my dietetic internship and became a dietitian shortly after that. And I think both of my parents were like, why didn't you do business? Because they had me learn a different language when I was young. And I was like, I just love nutrition. (laughs) So it was like a total shift, but it was good. I really enjoyed it. 
And I worked in the clinical setting for about four years in the hospital. And as you both saw at Miraval, I love to talk about <laughs> medical care and I love to teach. And when you're in the hospital, patients don't really want to listen to you. They just want to get well and go home. Yeah. So that's how, one of the reasons why I ended up at Miraval. <clears throat> and I was, I'm really happy that I did. And I also started my own private um, practice, Rob by Ello. So I see some clients also one-on-one. And can you see clients virtually or remotely if someone is listening to this podcast and wants to connect with you? Yeah, so definitely virtually. Yeah, absolutely. And we will have all of your information in the show notes that accompanies the podcast for anyone trying to find you or locate you. We'll do that as well. Awesome. So the topic we sort of have gone around and we got so much information from you. We didn't really know where to start for this podcast. And in the interest of keeping it to about 30 minutes or so, um, we kind of all decided that the most important thing we learned from you or the biggest thing or the place to start was you lead a talk on inflammation and how your diet affects inflammation what inflammation is, why it's important, how it shows up. And so we're just going to hand it to you and let you start there. Tell us about, you know, what is inflammation? How does it turn up in our lives? And when does it rise to a point where people notice it? Yeah, um, so that's a lot to unpack there. <laughs> so <laughs> right. uh, when people first hear the word inflammation, it's such a buzzword when it comes to the wellness space. But inflammation in itself isn't necessarily a bad thing. So I like to give the example of a paper cut. So if you get a paper cut, you start bleeding, it swells a little bit, it gets red. That is inflammation. Inflammation is your body's means to heal itself. So that is acute inflammation. But the inflammation that we hear a lot and that we know is bad um, tends to be chronic and systemic and unfortunately silent. And it is the number one cause of disease, the number one killer in the US being heart disease. It contributes to um, indigestion, loss of muscle, increase in fat, so many diseases. And unfortunately, people don't know they have this inflammation until they reach this disease state. So inflammation can lead to weight gain. Absolutely. So you're saying, because I think we always think of it the opposite, that visceral fat can cause inflammation, but I hadn't really thought of it before as the inflammation can cause the fat to accumulate. Also, if you want to catch it before it gets to the d- disease state, are there little bitty signs that maybe we're not seeing or paying attention to? Yeah. So one of the, the there's a lot of different labs that physicians look at, but one of them I I tend to tell people about is CRP, which stands for C-reactive protein. And if this marker is high, that means something's going on, that your body can have this chronic state of inflammation. And I have people really take a step back and be an observer of their energy levels, of how their digestion is, joint pain, so many little things that we tend to overlook and think, oh, this sucks. I just have to live with this. Uh That is inflammation. So we were both complaining about feeling very fatigued right before we started this podcast. (laughs) And it just so happens, Austin has a lot of seasonal allergies in general, and we're in an intense time right now. And that's what we were talking about. 
can allergies, I guess, produce the inflammation that produces fatigue? I feel like that's the biggest symptom I have from seasonal allergies right now. But I've also heard that if you have this chronic inflammation, that makes your reaction to the allergies worse as well. Huh. But like, you're not as sensitive if your body is working better. I mean, we should probably ask you that. But. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's crazy. Even though I'm a dietitian, I talk about the other influencers of inflammation a lot. Mm -hmm. And those influencers include obviously food, which we'll probably, we'll talk more about, but stress is a huge influencer. We all have a stress cup and it's all somewhat up to us what we put in that cup. So it sounds crazy, but exercise can be a stressor, a fight with a loved one, a long commute to work, uh, traffic. And then we constantly overfill that cup we find ourselves in this fight or flight response and we're stressed. Mm -hmm. It's a necessary response that we need in order to react the way we need to, but to be continuously in this response contributes to this inflammation. And then you have, you know, your life. Do you tend to go for walks where there's semis passing by? Um, A lot of toxins that we're not really familiar with, endocrine disruptors, fire retardants, um, microplastics, all of these things are leading to also inflammation. And then another big one is sleep. Mm-hmm. Sleep is huge. Seven to nine hours a night. Highly recommend that. Um, it's really the foundation of, of wellness. So sometimes when I'm with clients, before we even talk about food, I'm like, let's get you sleeping the way you should. So it's not to create any fear mongering, like, oh my gosh, like my plastics, what do I need to do? I am, I can't walk that way anymore, but it's slowly reducing those influencers. So you don't jam pack your body to fight so much. Right. Right. So going into the food aspect of it, um, what are some number one choices that we could possibly make with our diet that would help decrease the inflammation? So one of the best things you can do when it comes to that influencer with diet is limit or eliminate ultra processed foods and ultra processed foods, an easy rule of thumb to distinguish if it is an ultra processed food is looking at the ingredients. And if you can't purchase those ingredients, it's most likely an ultra processed food. I think that's most everything I eat. (laughs) (laughs) And a lot of foods are marketed to be extremely healthy and they're an ultra processed food. That's what's so confusing, even at the really high quality organic stores, I think. Yeah, there, there's definitely different levels of processing. Um, and I like to give that, that example, like, for example, you have the whole food. Let's take an apple. For example, you pluck the apple from the tree. That is a whole food, no processing done. And then the second stage is, let's say you cut that apple, mash it up, make applesauce. That's minimally processed. And then the next level would be to cut that apple, bake it, add some sugar, apple pie is born. And then the ultra processed stage is apple extract in your protein bar. That would be ultra processed. Oh, that's good. Yeah, that is good. That's really good because... When you gave that example, you actually gave the corn example. When we were in Miraval with you, I came home and told that to my children because it was just, it's so clear when you put it that way. 
you know, those examples. And who knows if my kids are listening, they think I'm a little over the top with this stuff. (laughs) And when we were at Miraval, there was one ingredient you said be on the lookout for. I think it was soy protein isolate, if I said that right or got that right. Tell us about that and what it is. So soy protein isolate is a breakdown of soy. So there's a lot of controversy with soy. Should you eat it? Sure you not. And unfortunately, that soy protein isolate does not yield the same benefits as whole soy would, like edamame, tofu, tempeh, things like that. And you find soy isolate protein in almost all protein bars. Um, wow. Okay. That is interesting. So I got it wrong. It's soy isolate protein then. Soy protein isolate. Okay. So yeah. soy protein isolate. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> just so people could be on the lookout for that because because you see the word soy and you think oh that's healthy but yeah when I it's know. combined and with protein other- and everyone's trying to increase their protein on so many of the diets out there and those yeah. bars are so easy to carry around they're so easy the bars are easy you know and then they've also advertised there's some of the new bars that are refrigerated would you necessarily think that the refrigerated bars are better because their shelf life is different or maybe not Yeah. I mean, I would still look at those ingredients. I feel like the marketing is just something else that we have to tackle, unfortunately, but I think it encourages people to get more connected to their food and to do that deeper dive. And the more that people start doing that, I feel like the more uh, manufacturers and food companies are going to shift in the direction to more whole processed foods. Okay. So we talked about the ultra processed foods. Is there anything else we should really be on the lookout to avoid or eliminate from our diet? So ultra processed foods is a big one. Another ingredient that I look or tell people to look out for is high fructose corn syrup. Okay. Yeah. Which is a very cheap sweetener that people use. And it's so many things and it's in a lot of things that are marketed as healthy, even to children. Mm -hmm. And soy isolate protein, soy protein, soy ice, soy protein <laughs> ice. Yeah. Um, so those would be the biggest ones. And I recently saw a study that it was like with 9,000 people that 60% of people's diet tends to come from ultra processed foods. 60%. Wow. 60%. Crazy. It's because I find that that ultra processed food like it's marketed as healthy and it's quick and easy. And it has a long shelf life. It has a long shelf life. Mm. It's quick. It's easy to grab. Um, I don't have to cook it or make it or cut it up. That's the, that is the, you know, struggle I think with that. Okay. So let's talk about what we should be doing. Some things we should be adding about the taking away. (laughs) One more thing. So you also hear a lot, like, cause you know, I work, in the health industry and everybody's on these different little fad diets, whether it's the keto or they're, and I'm not saying that vegetarian or veganism is fat. I feel like it's been around a long, 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 long time. What do you say about the ones that are bringing in a lot of animal protein or versus ones that don't bring any animal protein in? What do you think about animal protein? This is going to, Break the podcast world. (laughs) 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 Um, So 
you know, animal protein is also extremely controversial, you know, just kind of like in the same regards to soy. Um, I personally consume meat and we can definitely dive into a lot more about protein and how much your body needs, but with animal protein, it can be a nutrient dense food because it has all the complete amino acids. It has choline, it has B vitamins. So it's not that you can't have a nutrient dense vegetarian diet or a vegan diet. You just have to approach it um, with more effort and making sure you get everything you need um, in order to have that optimized nutrition and health. Okay. And I think that's what I, that's what I've said before. I said, if I could have a chef who was preparing everything <laughs> for me, I'd have no problem not eating meat. I just don't have the energy to figure out what I need to add then or how to get that protein. It's so easy. Yeah. So easy it, to bake a piece of chicken. <laughs> not in my house. <laughs> <laughs> my house, that chicken's dry. And, <laughs> and, it, and it's when people like not all vegans are all vegetarians. Sometimes, you know, potato chips can be vegetarian and French fries. And right. sometimes they, they increase their ultra processed food consumption, which displaces whole food consumption mm. and nutrient dense foods. And that's where that, that off balance starts happening. Okay. That's good. Mm-hmm. I think that that would help people kind of stay on that. Well, road. since we started talking about protein, do you want to talk about protein now is something, I mean, that's clearly something that it benefits us to have in our diet. And how do we know how much we should have in our diet? <laughs> Yeah, that's a good question. So protein is extremely important. It's the most satiating macronutrient that there is, meaning that it'll keep you full and help regulate those hunger hormones. But of course, as, as we know, the type of protein is just as important. Like the soy isolate protein isn't as optimal. To know how much you need, an easy equation you can do is take your weight and divide that by two. And that would give you a good estimate on how much, how many grams of protein you would need a day. Okay. So the weight I am or the weight I wished I were. (laughs) You are. Okay. (laughs) Darn. (laughs) Um, So it's usually about 25 to 30% of someone's total caloric needs in a day. Now, of course, that might be a little different if, you know, you have different goals or something's going on, but that's, that's pretty good average number of what we're looking for. Okay. Got it. That's and good and so high quality animal fats or animal um, proteins is a great place to source. go mm-hmm. or a source yeah. for protein. Complete protein are built up by what we call amino acids. Uh-huh. And I heard this being explained this way and I really liked it. So think of amino acids as letters of the alphabet. And it takes specific letters to make a word. So you need to make sure you get a variety, especially if you're on a vegetarian or vegan diet. So you can get the essential amino acids in order to make a complete protein, essentially that word. Animal protein are already complete. They already come in words. So you get all those essential amino acids that you need. And essential means that your body cannot make them. We have to consume them. Can you tell me what one of those would be? Like, what is that like amino acid? Is it, I mean, or is that just way going down a rabbit hole? That's something. 
No, that's- You wouldn't be looking for. What if you are vegetarian and you're trying to look for some amino acids? How, where's your variety in that? Yeah, so it would depend on what that person is eating. So there's 20 different amino acids, okay. 11 of them being non-essential, so your body can produce them. And then nine being essential, we have to consume them. So there's isoleucine, there's all these different names of amino acids. Okay. So if someone's vegan or vegetarian, they would look at their beans and say, oh, they're getting XYZ amino acids, but they're missing ABC. And that's how they would um, making, that's how they would make sure they're getting what they need. And that's where it would be really helpful to work with someone like you, because then you could actually look at the diet and see what we're missing mm-hmm. in our diet. You know, if you're choosing to not eat animal proteins, mm-hmm. that would yeah. be definitely where we'd need to seek professional help with this. Mm-hmm. And the, really the key to protein is and all foods really is variety. A lot of us tend to consume the same foods over and over again. And this is also beneficial for gut health and for, for protein. We're essentially made up of protein. It helps our tissues. It helps build hormones, um, neurotransmitters, support muscle growth. Um, so all of these things. And what we're looking for is to get about 20 to 30 grams for every meal. And people tend to get the least at breakfast. And there's research showing that, um, I think this paper was done with women, when they get 20 to 30 grams of protein, they're more likely to support a healthy weight, lower triglyceride levels, and have less obsessive thoughts of food. Even chocolate? (laughs) (laughs) Listed the types of foods that they um, thought of less, but this is huge because when we just you know, shape up that meal a little differently, we're going to have more success for the rest of the day. And I see this happen a lot with people, they wake up, and they feel light, right? They're fasted. So they're, they're going to go to Starbucks and get a skinny latte because they don't want to mess it up. They're they're healthy feeling. Mm -hmm. And then lunchtime rolls around, and they'll just order a salad, no protein, no fat, because they still want to feel good. And then dinner time rolls around, and they're just starving. And They'll just go to the fridge and like eat while they're making dinner and then it's late and then they'll have all this candy or chocolate and then they'll tell their body to go to bed and then they wow. can't. Mm-hmm. Sounds like my day. <laughs> <laughs> so I always say just focus on breakfast, get 20 to 30 grams. Something you can do is make breakfast a little more of a, a ritual in your home. You know, we tend to make dinner, emphasize dinner a lot. And it's, it's, I'm not saying to take that away because I think it's an important time to connect with loved ones and, and talk about your day, but also try to do the same for breakfast. It sounds cliche, but it is the most important meal because it really sets the tone for your day. And it, and especially with protein, keeping you cool, calm and collected. So when you have to make that food choice for lunch and dinner, you're more likely to make a healthier choice. Protein. Yeah. So in the morning. Yeah. This is I'm not a I'm not a big breakfast person. I have a question. So what would be an example of like 20 to 30 grams of protein? Would it be like one egg, two eggs, a a scoop of peanut butter? Like what give us an example of what that looks like? Sure. So we're looking at about three eggs to get into this range. Three eggs. Wow. Yeah. And a lot of people are like, oh, I, I can only eat one. 
but what else are you eating with that one? Is there, you know, a toast or a muffin? So put focus on, on the protein and also shift the mindset of breakfasty foods like cereals or bagels or things like that. You can absolutely have a steak salad for breakfast. Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah, that's a toughie. Yeah. yeah. But doable. Very doable. Yeah. It's a shift. It's a yeah. shift in mindset. Uh-huh. So you talked about variety of protein, but the variety I remember you talking about a lot when we met you before was in vegetables and the different colors of vegetables and fruits and what you should be getting. And that's where you should start your focus. So um, tell us how we should think about the vegetables we eat and fruits we eat. Yeah. So I, 90% of the time I recommend this anti-inflammatory diet. And about 40% is going to be coming from carbohydrates. And these are carbohydrates from vegetables, essentially starchy vegetables. So it's really the pillar of this pyramid. And again, variety is key. Um, Switching up the different types of vegetables. Um, We're looking for five servings of non-starchy vegetables a day, minimum. So that's about three cups. So I mentioned, like, I like to use my fist a lot. I don't usually recommend counting calories or measuring foods, but an easy eyeball of saying, okay, I need to get at least one fist for breakfast, lunch, and dinner to get my non-starchy veggies. Okay. That's a lot too. Yeah, but it is, but I, I love vegetables. So that's yeah, good. I think but I it's can the variety do thing too. I know when we were with you last, you recommended the farmer's market was a great place because what's offered there is different seasonally and locally. Yeah, definitely. And it it gives people awareness of when foods are in season, which tends to have a higher antioxidant count. And all these antioxidants that we're eating are going to help combat inflammation, which essentially comes from these free radicals. And I, I talked about free radicals that there are these unstable atoms in the body that love oxygen and in turn create oxidative stress. And the way we can mellow these guys out, calm them down is by eating more antioxidants. That's what helps stabilize these free radicals. So what I'm kind of hearing you say, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that if we eat a better diet, it can also offset some of the the toxins that aren't coming from our diet. Like some of the toxins, like you talked about earlier with the plastics and that kind of stuff, but a healthy diet can help combat those toxins as well. Absolutely. So everything that you do with each and each of those influencers that I mentioned, whether it be diet, stress, or sleep, it's going to help com- combat inflammation overall in the body. So I always recommend taking like baby approaches to each of these influencers. What can you do to your diet? Is it, I'm just going to focus on adding five servings of vegetables. Can you get more sleep? Can you not drink out of hot plastic water bottles sitting in your car? Things like that is going to really help combat. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Especially here in Texas, it gets really hot. (laughs) It does. And I always carry water with me. I hadn't really thought about that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Let's, um, let's talk for a minute about carbs because carbs have a bad rap, but they're really a part of a healthy diet and an anti-inflammatory diet, aren't they? Yeah. So they're 40% are going to be coming from carbohydrates, but you're right. So right now we decided to demonize 
all carbs are bad. I grew up in the fat-free era with spray butter, <laughs> the wow chips, things like that. Yes. Um, but we definitely all need all three of these macronutrients. Of course, we should try to limit refined carbohydrates like cereals, um, the ultra processed foods, um, chips, things like that. But when you start putting vegetables and fruits that contain these antioxidants, that's when we're going to have an issue of not getting what we need to help fight these free radicals in the body. So not all carbs are bad. There are definitely some out there that are, <laughs> but we still need them in the diet. The types are, are important. So I mentioned the non-starchy vegetables, having one to two starchy vegetables a day. So those are being like potatoes, yams, pumpkin, winter squash, things like that. Ooh, and then corn is corn in that category. Corn would be starchy. Yeah. Yeah. And what about bread? Bread is good to eat. Yeah. <laughs> so many different types of bread. Um, a lot of them have added sugar to them. And even some have high fructose corn syrup. Oh, wow. So I encourage people to look at the ingredients, make sure, you know, you don't want any of that stuff. And also look for whole wheat or whole grain. You might see the term enriched flour. And although it sounds like a positive thing, it's still, it's, it's not, it's essentially a stripped grain that has then been fortified. So you want to get closer to the whole food as you can. And what about sprouted grain? When we see sprouted grain, what is that? And why is that important? So sprouted grain could be a good option for people that have a hard time digesting bread. So it's a, okay. it's a soaked grain that tends, tends to sprout and that's how they make that bread. Um, so it can definitely be an option and fit in that 40% um, carbohydrates in the anti That's good to hear. Yeah. What about pasta? Pasta's good too. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm a fan of like the lentil pasta, the chickpea pasta. And if you have kids, you can mix it up like half and half. Hopefully. Oh, well. that's a good idea. It's <laughs> a good idea. Kids are a husband. <laughs> All right. And, when, and you shared something with us again, when we met you last that pasta rice take on a quality if they're refrigerated and then brought back to a serving temperature, whether it's room temperature or refrigerated or heated back up before you eat them. Yeah. Explain that. That was very fascinating. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that, so carbs are also important because they contain fiber and fiber really feeds our microbiota, which are which is live bacteria, they need to eat as well. And they love, love fiber. So a type of fiber is oligosaccharides. And this can come from asparagus, oats. And it also comes from, like you mentioned, potatoes, pasta, polenta, which has been cooked and then refrigerated. So they, it goes through a retrogradation process, a heating cooling process that turns it into an oligosaccharide, which when we eat it, our microbiota loves, it really, really loves, they thrive off of that. So something you can do is make those potatoes or pasta the night before and have it the next day for your family. So it's now an oligosaccharide. So when we reheat it after it's gone through the cooling process, that is, it still has those benefits. Yes. So you can make it, pull it, and then reheat it the next day. It's still an oligosaccharide. Great. That's yeah, to know. I know this is just, it just changes the way we think 
because I mean, no joke. If you go out to lunch, particularly with a group of women in our age group, no one would order pasta or eat bread, but that really you can be the weight you want and eat some bread and pasta. (laughs) I mean, it's just figuring out how to do it. Right. Right. Yes. And it's also the combination of food is, is really important. <clears throat> so one, one of the macronutrients that we haven't talked about is, is healthy fat. So yes. when you combine protein, healthy fat and fiber, you're going to have a different blood sugar reaction as if you were to just have fiber. Oh, that's good. So you're going to control your blood sugar, which is huge. A lot of people have this unbalanced blood sugar throughout the day. So they're on this blood sugar roller coaster. For example, if someone were to wake up and have a plain piece of toast, their blood sugar is going to go up a lot quicker and maybe even a lot higher. And anything that goes up must come down. And whenever it goes down, it sometimes goes down further than where it started. And that person's like, I need another toast or handful of jelly beans or, or something. And then they're on this roller coaster. Now, if you were to take a step back and put some avocado, some healthy fat on your toast, and maybe a couple of eggs, now you have your protein, healthy fat, and fiber combination, which is definitely going to keep you off that blood sugar ride. Well, that sounds good. It does. And that sounds like (laughs) a good way to start the day. And this leads us into, we talked a little with you before, and we've talked about it, the blue zones and um, their diet. Well, and that you see, you know, in Santorini, people are eating pasta every day and they're living well um, into their Mm -hmm. 90s and hundreds. And I mean, not just living, but they're still walking every day. They're still mentally vital and thriving. And, you know, that's the real goal is to get longevity, but to really be living quality longevity. Yeah. With quality. Yeah. I think so with the anti-inflammatory diet, it was developed by Dr. Weil and he investigated these blue zone areas and, you know, those common denominators that he found were predominantly plant-based, not necessarily all vegan or vegetarian, but the bulk of their plates came from plant material. They lived by this 80-20 rule. So meaning 80% of the time they were following this diet, 20% of the time, maybe a cupcake or, you know, here and there. And then the third one was really important too. It, it, they all had a purpose. So they all had a reason to do something, a purpose to live which right now I feel like the whole entire nation or world is extremely inflammatory and they, they've lost their sense of purpose. Oh, that is such a good way to put it. And it's, it's affecting our nutrition and our nutrition is the way we digest food. So going back to the blue zone areas, you know, having that 40% come from carbohydrates yet knowing the type 25 to 30% coming from protein and about 30% coming from fat, but also looking at the other influencers that are going to affect their nutrition is just as important. What would be some good fat choices? So with fat, um, this is all, I feel like everything nutrition is controversy. (laughs) (laughs) That will not make crazy though. That's something that once you get to be, you know, all right, I just turned 50 a couple years ago, well, last year. I've already been through three or four phases of what's taboo and what you should be doing. And it changes. changes. It does. And 
I think we have to remember that science is not static, that we're always going to continue to learn more. And it's almost unfair to speak in absolute. So we have to say right now, the research states this and make sure we can refer back to the research and see if it's, it's legitimate, but we, we have to remember, like, we don't know everything just yet, or we, I don't know if we ever will, <laughs> right. um, but we do know that we need fat and fat is not bad and we need it for a lot of reasons. Now, some good, healthy fats usually want to, most of it to come from unsaturated fats. So these are your avocado, your nuts, fish is a really, really big one, especially with anti-inflammatory diet. Reason being, you're getting these fatty acids, EPA and DHA, which you get about 80% if you consume the fish. Now you can get those same omega-3s from walnuts and vegetarian sources, but your body only converts and gets that only about 10%. So it's way more bioavailable from fish. So if I have, if I'm working with someone that's vegan and doesn't like fish and won't eat it, I'll probably put them on a supplement for that. It's, it's very, very important that we get enough of that. And then your oils, oils are huge. Um, we tend to use them every day, but we really don't know where they come from, how they taste. We just put it on the pan and we make our food. But that is a very critical ingredient. So I always look for quality oils. My favorites are extra virgin olive oil and avocado oil for a higher smoke point. And also keeping them away from the heat, away from the sunlight, away from the stove, which is the opposite of what my parents do. Um, Most people do, right? They have it in the plastic jugs, right on top of the stove, sizzling all day long. But I've worked with people where we change their oils and their joint pain gets relieved because it's that subtle chronic inflammatory dose. This is great. This is such valuable information for people to hear because I feel like the changes I know throughout the podcast, I often said, Oh, that's a lot. Oh, that's a lot. But really it's, it's not, we can make little baby changes in our diet that will make big changes in our life. Well, and I think if we just, and we've talked about this in many different areas, not just nutrition, but change our mindset from one of denial to one of positivity. So rather than be, I can't eat this or this or this, start thinking about what can I add that is beneficial to me and will make me feel better. And just that shift in how we perceive what we're doing, I think can that alone can take the stress level down. I love that. I'm all about adding. And (laughs) so I always talk to people, what can you add to your plate? What can you add to your schedule? Because we're so good at that, right? We can do everything. (laughs) Can you yoga class? Can you add a slot for me time? Can you add a serving of vegetables to your pasta dish? You know, that I feel like that's when people are more likely to push away those, those other foods versus continuing to restrict because we've all restricted calories. We've all restricted carbs. It's not working. So we really need to think of what we're, what we need to add. And I always think back of how can we humanize ourselves more? Can we get more exposure to sunlight, get more connected to whole foods? And when we take a step back and think of it that way, 
you know, a lot of us don't even step outside all day. <laughs> That's going to affect your circadian rhythm and in turn your nutrition. It's all connected. That's beautiful. I like that too. Yeah. Well, and to me, that's been one of the lessons of when I've looked at studies on the blue zones, they're not living lives of denial. They're living super rich, full lives with a huge variety of food in yes. them. And yeah, they eat the pasta. They eat <laughs> the pasta. I love it. They eat the bread. And the human connection, right? Their, their relationships. Like it was, I feel like you just kind of go to those places and you, you feel it. Yes. Mm-hmm. So Connection is important. It's so yeah. important. Mm-hmm. So true. Well, this has been great. We have one question though, yes. that we, so, you know, we're all about creating balance, mind, body, spirit, balance in your life, daily balance, finding things like you said that you can add each day. And so we like to ask all of our guests, what do you do on a daily basis to add balance or joy or happiness to your life? I feel like for me to bring balance, I have to find joy in the little things. So even if it's like my coffee, like I think about, oh, this is so nice. It's warm. It's actually cloudy right now in Tucson. So we're all very excited because it's never cloudy here. Um, But watching my plants grow, um, going to a yoga class, it goes back to like humanizing yourself more, bringing joy and finding joy in those little things really helps me bring balance. One thing that I love that my husband does, he just wants to celebrate little things. Like even today, he's like, Hey, after your podcast, let's go celebrate. I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) brings you joy. And it reminds you like, we have so many things to celebrate for. And we need to remember that. I love that. I do too. That's awesome. That is so good. Thank you for sharing that with us. And thank you so much for coming on and sharing all of this information. I just think it adds so much value to everybody's lives to hear this. And this is why we do these conversations. Exactly. Mm -hmm. These moments and this information. So thank you so much for joining us. It's been such a pleasure to be able to talk to you. And we'll go, we'll make sure that all of your information is on our show notes Mm -hmm. so that people can reach out to you and have sessions with you so that they can get more specific guidance on their own personal diets. Um, Yeah. And also I know you put a lot of information on Instagram as well. So that's an easy way that people can connect with you. And what's your um, handle on Instagram? It's at Eloisa Mena. So my first last name. I thought so. There you go. And you even show the science behind different studies out now and you um, give your commentary on that. So it's really loaded with information that I think people would enjoy um, checking that out as well. So yeah, I echo what Cheryl said. Thank you so much for connecting with us in this way. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to Invibe Live Conversations. For more information and to join our community, be sure to check out our website at invibelive.com. We look forward to sharing with you.